Good morning again, and welcome to The Open Door. And we're just so excited to have an opportunity to love on you, to allow God to use us this morning to be a blessing to him. Again, our guests and visitors, welcome. So glad to have you with us. I'm also I want to say welcome to two of our guests that came from Virginia, Katie, our, one of our good friends. Uh, she's with us this week, and our oldest son, Jeff, is here, and we're just so thankful to have him with us. It reminds us of how much we miss him, because it's just been sweet to have him here these last couple of days, and we're going we're gonna to be crying after he leaves. Uh, we're not going to let him see it, but we're going to probably shed a, a tear or two. So let's just take a moment to just spend some time with the Lord, allow him to speak to our hearts and remind us of his restoration, his hope, and that we have a testimony that we can give for him each and every day. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Psalms chapter 107. Uh, and it's so good to see many of our members continuing to come back each and every week. And as we just give him praise, even in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a trying situation. So today we're going to spend a little bit of time reminding ourselves that we have restoration in the Lord, we have hope, and that we have a great testimony to share with others. And so I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, the title of the message today is called Wits End. And maybe some of you around my age and was raising kids in the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s, remember Adventures in Odyssey. Uh, and maybe when you were driving down the road, you would put it on for your kids. Are there any young people in here that remember those, those stories? Uh, Adventures in Odyssey. You would just hear all of the adventures that were going on. They tend to all pretty much start pretty bleak, right? That there was some trial, there was some tribulation. But in the end, God would see them through. And you had that grandfather figure, Mr. Whitaker, who, who worked and uh, owned Wits Inn Ice Cream Shop. And so when we think about that term, Wits Inn, it means when we've come to the end of our rope. When it doesn't seem like we have any more ability, we don't have any way out, God shows up. He provides restoration. He provides hope. And he gives us a testimony to walk through it. And so today I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about the four groups of hurting people and how we can depend upon the Lord. And so I've asked a couple of folks to help me out, so I'm going to ask them to come on up. We have a, a forming drama team. They're preparing for our vacation Bible school. And many of these members are going to be helping me out today, part of that team, and we're excited about what God's going to uh, do doing VBS, but, but uh, I, I asked them to get some practice in this morning, so to help me depict these four groups of hurting people. So let's spend some time just talking about it. The scripture reference for the sermon today is found in the book of Psalms 107, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2, if you would turn there. And here's what it says. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endured forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much. Lord, we give you praise. May you be glorified in us. And Father, the hurts that we go through, Lord, we know that you are able to meet us at the very point of our need. 
And so, Father, we ask you, whether we may be at our wit's end, maybe we just may be tired and weary and we see things happening all around us, that we would give you thanks and that we would trust you because your mercies endure forever. And, Father, we thank you for being our Redeemer, for sending Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we magnify your name today. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. And so let's spend a moment and, and just visualize the four groups of hurting people. The first one that we'll see here in the, in the book of Songs 107, David is talking about these hurts that are going on. And so the first one is found in 107, verse 4, and it depicts someone that is frantic and restless. Have you ever been there? You're frantic and restless. You're searching for something to give you peace, to put your trust in, to hold on to. Maybe you're looking for fulfillment in your career, fulfillment in your marriage, fulfillment in relationships, and it just doesn't seem to fit. Verse 4 says, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty. See, that word thirsty translates to frantic. They're frantic. Their soul fainted in them. They felt no fulfillment, no joy, no peace. But then verse 4 says, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses, and he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. And see, that city of habitation means a place to sit, that they could rest in the Lord, that they could settle themselves in him. Verse 8 says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfied the longing heart. He satisfied the longing soul and fulfilled the hungry soul with goodness. With goodness. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been that one that was frantic and restless. But see, there's another hurting soul. The second hurting group of people that we see is those that are bound in slavery. See, these are the ones that are prisoners in misery because they have rebelled against God. They heard God's word, seen it work, but rejected it, chose other ways to find fulfillment. Find, they found themselves prisoners in chains, slaves to sin, like alcohol and bitterness and anger, sexual sin, slaves even to good things. The scriptures say in verse 4, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in afflictions and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned. What that word means is they treated God's word with contempt. His ways they shunned. It says the counsel of the Most High they contemned. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor, they fell down, and there was none to help. They were in bondage to sin. They had rejected God. They tried to feel fulfillment in so many other things. But then, in verse 13, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. 
See, God is seeking to seek and to save, to deliver us from the bondage of sin and death. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death, and he break the bands in sunder. He breaks all the chains. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men that were bound and couldn't get out. He set them free by the blood of Jesus Christ. By their faith, they were made whole. But then there's the third group of hurting people, those that are discouraged and hopeless. See, the Bible used the word in verse 17, it says, fools because of their transgression. See, these are the ones that knew God, had heard of God, had been spoken to by God, but they intentionally disobeyed. And so the Bible calls them fools. Being fools involved in sinfulness, they become despair. They're brought into the devil's lies that there is no hope. And they're ready to give up and die. See, it says, fools, because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities, a lifestyle of sin, they are afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. They reject food, and they're ready to die. They're in despair and discourage, discouragement. See, there was a pastor that was speaking to Pastor David Wilkerson, who is a well-known author, speaking to marriages. He wrote the book, A Biblical Portrait of Marriage. And so this pastor is speaking to her, and this pastor is going through troubles in his marriage, and it seems like it's not going to work out. And so he leaves the house, and he goes to this bar. He had been sober, had not had alcohol for many years, and he gets there he drinks. He becomes intoxicated. He's saying to Pastor Wilkerson, I just feel like giving up. I've sinned against God. I feel hopeless. And Pastor Wilkerson says, go home and read Psalms 107. And then come back let's talk. See, verse 19 says, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. See, he came back to him and he said, I know that God will never leave me nor forsake me. I know that no matter what I've done, he's still there. See, Romans 8 tells us this very word, Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free 
from the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And so he cried out unto the Lord. And he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then there's the fourth group of hurting people. Those that are hit with a storm. See, those that are doing their business, they're encountering all the works that God has for them. Nothing's going wrong in their life. They're not sinning against God. They're just going about their business. And then they encounter a terrible storm. See, the Bible says in verse 23 and 24, they that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters. See, this was their business, their affairs. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. But then they encounter terrible storms. See, it does not say they have done anything wrong. They're going about their normal business of life. But in the middle of going about their business, a storm comes. Look at verse 24 and 25. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the deeps. Their soul is melted because of trouble. See, God sends the storm. They were involved in the career and family and then tragedy hit. Trials come. Have you ever been there? You're saying, why me, Lord? See, they think they are in control. Their businesses are established. Everything's going fine and suddenly snap. It all seems to fall apart. Verse 27, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. But the Bible says in verse 28, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh a storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Peace be still, for I am God. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bring them into their desired haven. Maybe you identify with some of those hurting people. Maybe you've been there more often than you care to mention. 
but there is something in each one of those groups of hurting people that we see. In each encounter, the Bible says they cried out. See, they turned from the people who hurt to the people who cry out. See, the psalmist repeats four times, God answers them. Do you know that we have a God that answers? That he neither sleeps nor slumbers? That he's ready to give an answer? He reaches out to them. He draws them out of their distress. See, Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He says, some men will never pray till they are, until they are half starved. If hunger brings us to our knees, it is more useful to us than feasting. Sometimes we need tragedy. We need to be brought to our knees so that we would cry out to a holy God, that we would give him praise and honor and glory, that we would trust him when we're at our wit's end. And before we get there, see, whether you are one of those hurting people that are frantic and wrestling and looking for fulfillment in all kind of things, or whether you're one that has rejected God or hasn't received him yet and you're bound in slavery, or maybe you've accepted Christ, but you're still caught up in the midst of sin that brings us bondage and darkness. Or whether you're discouraged and hopeless, you feel like things are just in despair and you can't figure your way out. Or whether you've just been hit by storms one after the other. We serve a God who hears. See, the third point is God hears our cries. And there are three characteristics that we can rest in when God hears our, our cries. The first one is he has undivided attention. Thank you, gentlemen. See, it's not like maybe there are some mothers in here that have three, four, eight kids. And you try to give them all as much attention as you can. But when one's calling your name, there are two that are you know, running over or falling over something, and you're trying to pay attention to each other, and it just becomes impossible. See, that's not something that's impossible for God. He can provide us with his undivided attention. He knows every hair on your head. He cares for you. He's right there ready to hear your cries to wrap his arms around you and let him let you know that he loves you with an undying love. See, the, uh, the, second, the second characteristic of a God who hears is that he has unqualified acceptance. He accepts you right where you are. When you come and you call out to him, he is there. And when you call out to him, he will in no ways turn you away. He will receive you 
when you call out to him, he will answer you. See, here is what Psalms 91 verse 15 reminds us of. It says this, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. See, nothing you've ever done can separate you from God. The only thing is that you don't, if you don't call upon him, if you don't ask him to come in, that's what separates us. Because we don't believe in faith. Allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our life. The third characteristic of a God who hears is that he has unequal power. See, our God is all-powerful. There is no trial or tribulation that can overcome him. Just like he did it for Mr. Whitaker and all the kids in Whitsian, he'll deliver us. He'll bring us out of all trouble. See, our God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. And we can trust him. And so when we know that he is a God that hears, our righteous response should be a people who worship him. God's people worship him. We see that depicted in this chapter in verse 8 and verse 15 and verse 21 and 31. Each time when they called out to the Lord. Look at verse 31. It says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We worship him for what he has done. We give him praise for he is a powerful and a good God. But we don't just worship and praise him in just one form, in one fashion. See, that's one element, that we worship him for what he's done. But I believe that God wants us to worship him in our testimony, that we would let somebody else know how good God has been to us. That's depicted in verse 22 and 32 of this very same chapter. Psalms 107, 22 says this, And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works rejoicing. See, that clara means to tell, to shout it, to let somebody know of his works. See, the Bible says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, that we should be sharing our testimony, sharing what, how good our God is. And as we share it with others, we hear it. And there's a lightness and there's a joy and there's a peace that comes upon us. And when we seem like we're at our wit's end, we're restored in the fact that God knows our end. 
and that he's all-powerful, and that he that has done a good work in us is faithful and just to complete it. But that third part of worshiping God is so essential, and sometimes we don't see this as worship, but in each one of these depictions of groups of hurting people, the Bible says they cried out unto him. And see, that crying out is a form of worship, that we lay down ourselves and we acknowledge that we are enabled. And we're saying that he is the one that's all-powerful, and he is the one that's able. And when I cry out to him, I worship him. I trust him. And so I believe that God is looking for people to cry out to him, that he's right there, that he's ever-present. As we song in our voice, he's closer than the skin on our body. And no matter what you may be going through, no matter what the situation may look like, he says, cry out. And I'll be right there. I'll hold on to you. I'll give you hope. I'll restore that dry land. And I'll lift you up on high. And not for your glory, but for my glory. Because he says, I am that I am. And when you're at your wit's end, God says, the end is mine. I know the thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a hope and a future, to give you an expected end, to give you eternity and hope for tomorrow. He says, just hold on and cry out to me, and I will be there in the midnight hour. And weepy may endure for a night, but guess what? Joy comes in the morning. And we can praise him because he's steadfast. He's never ending. And we can rest assured that our God is faithful. Amen. Can we give him some praise? He's worthy. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord.